Thank God that we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. Amen. And as believers, we have an inheritance. And that inheritance is amazing because it's Jesus' inheritance. And the reason being is because everything that Jesus got, we get. Because we are his what? joint heir. And we've been looking at how that we are his joint heir. And the Bible lets us know that everything that the Father has belongs to Jesus. And then it lets us know that Jesus is the heir of what? All things. So if Jesus is the heir of all things and we are his joint heir, then that means that we are the heir of all things as well. And the Bible lets us know that all things are ours. And we looked at that several weeks ago and looked at, at some of those things that all things are ours. You know what? Um, the Bible talks about the ministry gifts. They're ours. Things present, things to come, praise God, is ours. Everything present belongs to us. Amen? Everything to come, the, the rapture is ours. The millennial kingdom is ours. Praise God, the eternal um, state of being with God forever and forever. That's ours. That all belongs to us. Praise God. Um, you know what? Uh, life is ours. That we have eternal life. Death is ours. And we were saying there that death doesn't own us. We own it. It doesn't have us in its back pocket. We have it in our back pocket because we are victorious in Christ. And Jesus' victory is ours. So we don't have to be afraid of death. Paul said, you know what? Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which is far better. For a believer, far better. So death doesn't even have the victory over us as a believer anymore. Praise God. Our body, when we die, goes into the ground, but even the ground's not going to be able to hold it forever because one day we'll come up in a glorified body. That's our body, but our spirit goes straight into the presence of God and we will be with the Lord forever and forever and forever. That's awesome. Nothing has the victory over us. Christ is ours, the Bible says, and so is everything that the Father has is ours as well. That's an awesome way to think. And so praise God, we've been looking at those things and looking along those lines at being heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We looked at Abraham as well and we've seen that Abraham was the heir of the world. And yet he lived in a tent, um, but he owned, you know what, everything. You know, um, God actually said to him after Lot went down to Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, look northward, you know, southward, eastward, westward, because I have given you absolutely everything. It's all yours, yet he was in a tent. But the reason Abraham was in a tent is because Abraham was looking for a city, a heavenly city. And so we were saying that even though everything is ours, we're not um, earthly minded, we're heavenly minded. We're not living for, you know what everybody else lives for. We have our eyes on the kingdom and we draw everything we need from the kingdom and then we live it out in this world. And so Abraham walked out that promised land and he walked it out and that was his inheritance, his possession. And you know what, praise God, there's a lot of things that we will um, step into and there's a lot of things that we will um, have as possession in our lifetime. But you know what, we're not living for stuff, yet God will look after you and take care of you. You know, we looked last week and we seen how that the children of Israel, later Abraham's seed, natural seed, went into the promised land and God gave them good houses. Amen. He, said, he gave them silver and gold. He gave them possessions. He multiplied their flocks. He gave them good things. But God said to them, don't get your eyes on the things. Keep your eyes on me. Because it's me who gives you the power to get wealth. Why? So that my covenant will be established in the earth. And so we started to see that, you know what, what's all of this, you know, prosperity, abundance, and all of those kind of things for us at this time? Well, it's for us to enjoy, praise God, because God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Yes. Amen. Don't ever be a, don't ever, um, you know, 
put your head in the sand because God gives you something nice. Our God's a good God. He'll give us the good of the land. Amen. But we don't live for it. The world lives for those things. The world is doing everything to get those things. But let me tell you, that's not what we're living for. We're living for Him. And so we can enjoy all things, but it doesn't mean to say that things have us. So you enjoy it. I'll, I'll hopefully share a few of those things this evening. But you know what? As believers, we're meant to be um, kingdom people, people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me just look at the, um, one of the foundational verses that we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. Let me just look here again at Psalms 35 and verse 27. It says here, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Not, fa- not um, favor money, love money, but favor my righteous cause. We don't have to seek money, we seek God. We don't seek money, as we said the other week, we seek wisdom. Amen. But when you seek wisdom, wisdom has, in its, um, its right hand it has length of days, and in its left hand it has riches and honor. So you get what wisdom has, but you know what you're seeking is wisdom. Well, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, it tells us that Jesus has made unto us wisdom. It says that Jesus is wiser than Solomon. And it says that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. And so who are we seeking? We seek Jesus. So when we seek Jesus, praise God, let me tell you, not alone do you get Jesus, you get everything that Jesus has. Amen. And we already have it, but you want to start seeing it manifested into your life. So when you seek Jesus, praise God, you start to enjoy the benefits of a relationship with him and walking with him. Um, but it says, that, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yeah, let them say continually, the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. You see, God takes pleasure in prospering people who favor his righteous cause. What is God's righteous cause? For us today, it is the Great Commission. You know what the Great Commission is? It's twofold. Um, first part of it is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. The second part of it is to teach all nations. So what do you do? You get people saved and then you teach them. That's what church is about. Church is about getting people saved. And church is about teaching people so that they can be equipped so that they can then be effective everywhere they go. Why? Because it's all about seeing people saved and seeing people taught so that they can fulfill the plan, the purpose of God for their life. Amen. And so that's what it's about. You get to, um, you get to know how, what God's Word says. When God's Word impacts your life, it impacts your home, impacts your family, uh, impacts your relationships, impacts your marriage, impacts your children, impacts your grandchildren. Praise God. And it impacts um, when you work. It impacts every area of your life, your life. It just impacts you greatly. And it per- equips you for the call of God upon your life. And so the gospel and everything about it is, is very simple when you, when you boil it all down. The gospel is about seeing people saved. Praise God. It's the grace of God. The gospel is the grace of God. Um, and thank God we bring the gospel of the grace of God to our generation so that we want to, because we want to see people saved. 
and praise God. And then we want to see people um, trained and equipped for the call of God upon their life. Let me tell you, when you favor that, when your whole life revolves around seeing people saved and seeing God's kingdom advanced in the earth, let me tell you, when you have God's kingdom heart, God takes absolute pleasure in prospering your life. Do you know why? Because he's got your heart. Amen. He's got your heart. And once he has your heart, he has you. Praise God in that sense because he's, now he's put his, his desires, his heart, it's in you. So that when you get money, money is not your God. Let me tell you, he's your God. And you live for him. You start praying. You start asking God to prosper you. Not because you're just thinking, you know, give me, give me, give me. Or God, I want to be a blessing. You start think, dreaming about what you can do in the kingdom of God. Now, it's not all financial. Thank God, you know what? Everything is free in the gospel, but it's this world. It costs everything to do things. That's just the way the world is. It's the way the system in the world is set up. But, um, but I'm telling you, when we have a kingdom heart, praise God, I'm telling you, God will take pleasure in prospering our lives. Amen? Now, praise God. Now, yeah, we looked as well. We ended last week with Mary and Judas. And we were, we were shown just two values there. You know, Mary valued Jesus that she took that costly spike nard and she broke it and poured it over, to, over Jesus. But she valued Jesus. She didn't value the ointment. She valued him. And it was very costly. But you know what? She knew when I have him, I have everything. She was not losing out. Whenever she poured on Jesus. And I'm telling you, we don't lose out when we pour on Jesus as well. And, and you know what? It's, it's like, there's some people you're encouraging them to be a giver, okay? Because they're tight, okay? So you encourage them through the word. You're trying to build their faith up to be a giver. There's other people you're saying, whoa, you know what? Look after yourself as well. Because there's people will give everything, okay? And so you're always finding that balance with people. Or some people you're teaching because God's provoking them to believe him to be their supply. And then there's other people who are just a giver and they would give absolutely everything. And it's not that God, because you see, I forget that this evening. You know what? There's bread to eat and there's seed to sow. And you have to know the difference. But some people, they eat everything. They eat the seed and all, you know what I mean? And then there's other people, they don't think about the bread, they don't think about themselves, they don't look after themselves, because all they just do is give, 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 and there's a balance. And praise God, you know, God wants you to look after yourself as well, and God wants you to take care of yourself and your family and all of those kind of things. But God also wants us to be givers and to trust Him. And here's the thing, you'll never outgive God. You will never outgive Him. That's just the way God is, because God's the biggest giver of all. And you know what, And Judas, he valued money. So when, when Mary poured that valuable thing on Jesus, it hit something in Judas that was not nice. It was like I said last week, when you throw a stone into a pack of dogs, the one that gets hit yelps. And I'm telling you, the one who loved money, he yelped. And yet he done it in a, a disguise, like as if he didn't love money like he loved the poor. It is amazing how many people will give out to you if you give to church and tell you, oh, you should give your money. They want to tell you where to give your money. You should give your money to this, that, and the other. They're conning you or whatever. 
But I'm telling you, in our kingdom, you give freely. You don't give off necessity. You don't give grudgingly. You give as a cheerful giver because you're giving in faith. That's the way our kingdom works. Um, but you know what? It is amazing how many people will say to you, you shouldn't give to this and you shouldn't give to that. And, and the, you should be given to these charity things and this and that and the other. And it's not that they are not good. But I'm telling you, the greatest cause in this planet is the gospel. That's the greatest cause. There's a lot of even Christian charities that don't even tell people about Jesus. They'll feed people and clothe people, but they don't tell people about Jesus. And you know what? If you die poor, that's not going to get you to heaven. It's only receiving Jesus that gets you to heaven. And it's good to look after the poor. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. And Jesus looked after the poor and gave to the poor. But I'm telling you, Jesus preached the gospel. Jesus preached, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He preached. And the message that Jesus had saved people. It set people free. Amen. It set the captives free. And, I, you know, praise God for Jesus. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. You know, we don't want to be like Judas who loves money. We want to be like Mary who loves Jesus. Praise God. And he's more valuable than money. But here's the thing. When you give to Jesus, he's your supply. When you follow the good shepherd, as we said last week, the good shepherd, where does he take you? He takes you into a wealthy place because your cup runs over. Praise God. That's why you see, you follow the good shepherd, he'll look after you all the days of your life. Just like we said of David, David said, I've been young and I'm now old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. We're not following money, we're following Jesus. So when you follow Jesus, you know, do you know if you, if, you, uh, if you end up like in a valley, you know, and you end up in a place like, you know, I'm not saying that God brings us into all of these valleys. When you follow Jesus, let me tell you, he'll bring you through anything. Sometimes people say, oh, God brought me into the, the valley to absolutely crush me and all the rest of it. Let me tell you, God, God's a good shepherd. Amen. But if you go through things in life, because we're in life, sometimes people don't like when we preach the gospel. And you know what? You can go through things, but you don't take your eyes off Jesus. And as you follow him, you, you just keep saying, I'm following the good shepherd and he's bringing me into green pastures. Amen. I'm following the good shepherd. My cup runs over. Praise God. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Amen. I'm on my way to green pastures. Praise God. Amen. That's the way we need to think. Don't sing valley songs. Don't pitch in the valley. Don't take on a valley mindset. Take on a my cup runneth over mindset and just keep following the good shepherd. Praise God. Amen. That's so good. Anyway, do you know, when you follow Jesus, Jesus will look after you. And some people think that Jesus was poor. Jesus was not poor. Jesus Jesus was blessed. Amen. He was blessed. Even from a child, you think about it, from a child, the Magi came and they gave gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then where did Jesus go after that with Mary and Joseph? They went into Egypt. You know, God looked after him before he went into Egypt. God always has provision. Joseph, or Jesus was a carpenter. Do you think he was a rubbish one? No. I'm telling you what, he was a good carpenter. He was blessed. The Bible says, everything you put your hand to prospers. Do you think Jesus wasn't a blessed man? Everything he put his hand to prospered. But Jesus wasn't living for stuff. What was Jesus living for? He was following his father. Even at 12 years of age, what did he say? I'm about my father's business. He had a heart for the, 
for his father. When he went into ministry, what did he do? He went to the temple and he, he straightened the whole place out because people were money-minded. Jesus wasn't money-minded. He says, my father's house shall be, shall be a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. Yet he, he understood finance. Yet he didn't like people being taken advantage of, being conned, being ripped off. Yet was Jesus blessed? Absolutely blessed. Well, the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no, no sorrow. Praise God. Jesus was a blessed man. Jesus, when he went into ministry, and he had the, the twelve and all of that, you know what? Well, he looked after all of them and all of their families. And then he, he, he had a treasure. There is no poor person has a treasure you don't need. You don't need a treasure because you know how much you have. None. <laughs> but Jesus had a treasure, not just any treasure, a thief. <laughs> Who was stealing? You know, I've often thought about that there. Well, Jesus, why did you have Judas as a, as a treasure and him a thief? That's not good management, you're thinking. You know, what did you have him for? But you see, here was the thing about Jesus. Judas was in his supply. Money was in his supply. His father was his supply. And there was more than enough. And his father owns everything. The cattle on a thousand hills. Jesus' mindset is, you can't steal from me. Because my father owns everything. What a mindset. It set you free. See, Jesus knew that he was looked after. Jesus at the wedding, he provided wine for everyone. And not just any wine. The finest wine. I mean, it was the best ever drank. The finest wine. Why? Because Jesus is supply. Jesus is not lack. Jesus was not poor. Jesus always had provision. The Bible says, Of his fullness have we received, and grace for grace. Jesus didn't come empty. Jesus is full. Praise God. Jesus fed the five thousand and fed the seven thousand and plus all the women and the children that were there as well it was five thousand men seven thousand men that he fed in those two separate events jesus is provision see when you when you um, make jesus your shepherd when you make him your lord praise god when you look to him you don't look to him and see lack. You look to him and you see abundant provision. Jesus is abundant provision. Praise God. Abundant provision. Religion will tell you that Jesus will keep you as poor as poor can be. Let me tell you, Jesus is abundant provision. Amen. Amen. Um, Jesus was provided with a new donkey. That's some thing on its way out. He was provided with a new donkey. Well, he owns everything. Praise God. And the same with the upper room as well. But I want to look at two things this evening because, you know what, uh, it really shows Jesus as our provider, but it shows us also as Jesus, the heart of Jesus, the heart of the kingdom of God, the heart of the things of God. It is all about the move of God. And praise God for us in this time, that's what we're here for. We're here to advance the move of God in our generation. That's what we're here for. God looks after us. We don't live for money. We're not to love money. That's a problem. When you love money, let me tell you, you're not loving God. 
Because you can, you'll only love one of those. You can only serve one of those. You either serve God or you serve money. But praise God, we can, we can serve God. And I'm telling you, money can then be a tool for us in the move of God. Money makes a horrible master. But I'm telling you, a wonderful servant. Because then we can tell it what to do and it doesn't tell us what to do. It doesn't control us. Praise God. You know, we live to give as believers. We live to give. We love giving as believers. And you know what? If you're not there, praise God. You know what? Ask God to make you a giver. Ask God to bring revelation to you and show you what it is to be a giver. There's no greater joy than being a giver. And you know what? Money doesn't own you then. You know, it doesn't own you and you can't be bought. See, if you, you know what, if you, if you love money, you can be bought. You'll be like Balaam, where you can be bought because of a love of money. You compromise. You compromise what you believe because of money. You compromise what you say because of money. But I'm telling you, when you're free, praise God, you can just say what God says. And if people like it, Praise the Lord. And if people leave, you know what? Just like Jesus said, you know what? Does any of the rest of us want to go as well? Because Jesus wasn't held by anyone and he wasn't held by money. There's so much freedom in that. Praise God. And I'm telling you, if you're around long enough and you know around the things of God long enough, there's people who try to buy you, try to buy you off. I've, I've been tried to, uh, uh, people have tried to buy me over the years. But you know what? What you compromise to keep, yeah. you end up losing in the long run. It's not worth it. So it's not. Balaam lost everything in the long run. Praise God. Thank God for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to look at Peter here for a moment. This was at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And this is whenever Peter, we're going to look at here first. This is whenever Peter, you know what, ends up following Jesus. The story of the, of the, the catch of fish. And you just see abundant provision here. But um, there's so many great lessons to be shown here. Let me just look here for a second. Luke chapter 5 for a moment. And we'll just look at these two things this evening. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him or asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So the people are pressing on Jesus to hear the word. There's a real buzz. Jesus has proclaimed you know that he, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon him because he is anointed and you know what, to preach the gospel to the poor and all of the different things and to preach the acceptable dear of the Lord. And you know, people were pressing on Jesus and you know what, they're basically pushing him into the water and Jesus says can, to the guys that are there, Peter's there, you know what, can I use your boat? You know what, just push out for a wee bit. They're, they're washing their nets. They're down there washing their nets. And so what does Jesus do? He begins to preach to these people. Do you know what? That was their business. That was their business. They were fishermen. Jesus was using their business, what for? As a platform, as a stage to preach to these people. What an amazing picture. 
Do you see, that's what finances is for. That's what money's for. That's why God adds to people. It's, yeah, he looks after us as well as we looked at last week. But I'm telling you, when it comes to the gospel, do you know what Peter's business was helping Jesus that they'd give him a stage to stand on to preach to those people. Think about that. And so they're in, their, their net, in the boat and they're washing their nets because they didn't have a good night the night before. They were out all night toiling and what did they catch? Absolutely nothing. But yet Jesus is now using their boat that they were out in the night before and caught absolutely nothing. And they're now sitting there in this boat, but they're getting to listen to Jesus speak. The guys are sitting there washing their nets. You know what? My granda was a fisherman. Mum's mom's dad was a fisherman. Mum's brother's still a fisherman. And I used to love going out to my grandas, and granda would be setting the, getting the nets set up for going out again. And um, they'd be all in uh, like wooden boxes, and he'd be going through them, and there was a way in which they were able to fold them up, and they'd be ready to go whenever they would go out. They would go out fishing. And you know what? It takes time to do all of those things. And you imagine these guys and they're sitting there and they, they've caught absolutely nothing. And then they're sitting there and Jesus is preaching away and they're sitting there and listening to all of this. But what is Jesus doing? He's using their boat to preach to all of these people. Then it goes on here to say in verse 4 it says, Now when he had left speaking, when he's finished, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Notice he said nets, plural, for a catch of fish. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night. Like you, these experienced fishermen are saying, we have toiled all night. But I'm telling you, Jesus does not always use conventional wisdom. He is wisdom. You just listen to him. They are out fishing all night and they caught nothing. Well, do you know what? These fishermen knew they were experienced. That's when you do fish at night, but it wasn't working for them. Yet they were out at night fishing. And now Jesus is saying, go back out on the sun blazing. And they're saying, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's like us saying, that doesn't work. Do you know what? Praise God, when you listen to Jesus and follow him, it does. Amen. And they said, um, um, nevertheless, at thy word, we will let down a wall, a net, one. And it says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, and their nets break. And they beckoned unto their partners that were in the other ship, that they would come and help them. They had so much, they said, come and help us. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. I often wonder, you know, I used to think, why did Jesus say let down nets? Whenever the one net was, was breaking, and there's many theories on why that happened, but you know what, there's um, why the one net was breaking, and when they took in the load of that one net, it was sinking both their boats. You're thinking, well, why did he say let down nets when that was enough? But you know, when they caught them, they could have had, had them sitting in the water in the nets and just the other ship going back and forwards all day, bringing the provision back. Can you imagine how much provision there would have been there that day? And you know what? Um, oh, it's just, it's just it's awesome, isn't it? But you know what? The night before, those fish were staying away. But all of a sudden now, because they let down the net based on what Jesus said, they did it in faith. 
when they let down the net based on what Jesus said, even though the let down one. Let me tell you, if you're not at the level of somebody else's faith, you're not at net's level. If you're just at net level in faith, don't be discouraged. Just let down that net in faith. God will grow your faith. Amen? Just, just operate where you are in faith and step out in faith where you are. I mean, look, at what he, look at what he did. Awesome. Praise God. Look at the provision that, that came in off of off that. I love that. Awesome. And it says, And they beckoned unto their partners that they would come and help them. And as it said, both their, nets, uh, both their boats began to sink. Look at verse 8. When Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' feet and saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Let me tell you, it's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. It's the goodness of God. Peter was like, why are you being so good to me? I don't deserve this. That's grace. Grace is better than you deserve. Amen. Better than you deserve. Praise God that it is. It's awesome, isn't it? Just think about it. When they let that net down that day, it was like a magnet. All of the fish were doing everything they could to get into that net. Why? Because Jesus said, let down the nets. Amen. Even though they let down one, them fish were round that boat. Praise God. I'm telling you, when you hook up with Jesus, amen. Awesome. Um, and it, it says here, let me just look down here. Verse um, 9, it says, And he was astonished, and all them with him at the catch of fish, which were taken, and so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth you shall catch what? Men. And they brought their ships to land, and they forsook all, and they followed him. Now, the most important part of this story is being a fisher of men. That's the most important thing is what's being taught here. What did I say about the Great Commission? The Great Commission is twofold. Number one, what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's fishing. Amen. That's for fish. The fish are people who need to be caught. Amen. So the world need to hear about Jesus. Amen. You know what? This is in the setting of being a fisher of men. And what happened with Peter and that was they left everything to follow Jesus. Why did they leave everything to follow Jesus? Because they realized that Jesus is abundant provision. And they were able to leave everything and follow him. Praise God. They were, everything I need is in Jesus, in other words. So all I need is Jesus. Jesus will look after me. Jesus will look after my home. Jesus will look after my family. As they went into ministry, as they went and followed Jesus. Now Jesus called them to follow him. And you know what? And they followed Jesus. But I want you to see here just for a moment. Look at the setting here when they were in the boat. Can you imagine the setting? And you're looking on to Jesus. There's fish everywhere. These are fishermen. They've never seen a catch like this in their life. They've never seen anything like it in their life. They could have got their eyes on the fish. They could have became fish-minded, but they didn't want to do. Peter fell to his knees and looked at Jesus. He looked to him. He cried out to him. And I'm telling you, that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to keep our eyes on Jesus, not on the, not on the provision, the natural fish, okay? That's not the way we're meant to live. We're meant to be kingdom-minded people. God will look after us, but never let the stuff take the place of Jesus in your life. Never let anything that he adds to your life take the place of Jesus in your life. 
What is provision for? Let me tell you, provision is about catching fish. Praise God. You see, Peter was a fisherman. He related to all this, but he was also a businessman, and he understood all of these things from a business point of view. Let me tell you, from a business point of view, he, like, there's like two layers here. Let me just say it. First layer is go and catch fish, because that's the main thing that's being said. I'll make a fisher of men. You may know Peter became a great fisher of men. On the day of Pentecost, he stood up and he preached, and 3,000 people got saved, just like all of those fish. Let me tell you, he cast a net on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people came into the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, God loves people more than he loves money or gold or any of those kind of things. He died for people. Amen? And that's our heart. But also then, Peter was a businessman. And you can see the principle here for anyone, it doesn't matter whether you're in business or work or whatever you do, just having provision. Let me tell you, when you... When you sow into the kingdom of God and into the move of God, what you're doing is you are helping advance God's righteous cause in the earth. And I'm telling you, God is, well, he's abundant provision. You will never lose out whenever your heart is the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, we can partner with Jesus. We can partner with the move of God in advancing and bringing the move of God to our generation. Amen. That's what our lives are about. Praise God. And I love this because of the setting of it. It's the setting that is so good. Let me say this as well, just based on what we said last week, that it's, um, it's God who gives you the power to get wealth. Why? That his kingdom may be established in the earth. They were out there all night and they caught nothing. Do you many know the fish were all there? It's just like the wealth is here in the earth, but it's God who gives you the power to get wealth. Amen. Amen. And how does that operate? And we operate in faith in God's principles. And we believe God and make God our source. Praise God. God will look after us and take care of us. Amen. Praise God. Amen. There's so many things there, but let me just look, move on to the next one this evening. We don't have much time here, but let me just look at this for a moment. Um, this is later on after Jesus died and rose again. And when Jesus rose again, praise God, after the resurrection, do you know what? Jesus came to the disciples again, and at that time they had went back fishing. Do you remember that there? Peter went back. He says, I'm going back fishing. And so they went fishing, and they had the same similar story again. What happened? They caught absolutely nothing. The same situation again. And um, let me just look here. They caught absolutely nothing. And then look at this, John, um, John 21. Look at verse 4 here. So the right all night caught nothing again. Verse 4, it says, But when the morning was come, look at this, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat or have you caught anything? And notice what they said, No, caught nothing. So caught absolutely nothing again. Verse 6, it says, And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and, say, and ye shall find and they cast her off, um, now, and, and they were not able to, to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. So they caught fish. It tells us how many there were. 153, if I believe right, it's here. Yeah, 153 fish that they brought in. But you know what? It lets us know that not alone were they um, a multitude of fish. It lets us know then that there were great fish. Yeah. There were mega fish. 
I'm telling you, you know, whenever somebody catches a mega fish, you can see it, they're struggling to hold the thing. Let me tell you, they brought in 153 fish. They're out all night and caught nothing. And then Jesus said the same thing again in the middle of the daylight. And you know what? And they caught. You know what? Uh, God spoke something to me several years ago. Do you know what? If you want to catch fish, just naturally, you know, you fish at night. But let me tell you, if you want to catch people, you fish in the light. And, you know, you don't have to compromise the gospel. You don't have to hide it. You, ha- you be light. We are the light of the world. You don't have to hide our light. You don't have to try and do everything to water everything down so we can catch fish. Let me tell you, you can get a crowd watering everything down, but it doesn't mean to say people are getting saved. You're just getting a crowd. Let me tell you, you want to see people saved? You you preach the gospel from the housetops. You preach Jesus from the housetops. You do not dilute Jesus. You do not dilute the gospel. The gospel will cause a response. People will either, either reject it or receive it. But a people can just be like, you know, eh, with the gospel. And you know what? I see, you know what? Jesus, Jesus is the icing on the cake. Jesus is not the icing on the cake. You get rid of everything you have and you receive Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus is the cake. He's not the icing on the cake. You realize you're a sinner in need of a savior. Not I'm doing well and Jesus is just the icing on the cake. Let me tell you, without Jesus, you're nothing. Without Jesus, you're lost on your way to hell. Let me tell you, you need Jesus. Jesus isn't, doesn't want to be the icing on your cake. Jesus wants to be your all in all, your everything and everything. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So you want to preach the gospel? You don't preach the gospel hid. You don't preach the gospel watering it down. You don't preach the gospel because it might offend someone. You preach the gospel, you just preach it, you let it rip. Amen. Amen. You preach the gospel in the light. Amen. You let that light shine. Praise God. And so I believe that was part of catching fish. You want to catch fish as in people, you preach it in the light. They're caught in the light, not in the darkness. Amen. Now, anyway, um, it says um, Jesus asked them, did you have any meat? So they end up to catch all of these fish. And then, you know what? They realize that it's Jesus and Peter. He jumps in and he swims the shore. He's, he, it's just the way Peter's personality was. He just acted on the moment. He just dives overboard, swims to Jesus, not thinking. And then it says here, look, it says here in verse um, let me just look at verse 9. It says, And as soon as they were, they were come to land, they saw a fire of coaler, and look at this here, and fish laid thereon and bread. And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Let me tell you, they, they wouldn't have caught it without Jesus. So that's the same thing as we looked at last week. Remember, it's the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth. You know, even though the nets were in their hands, and let me tell you, God blesses our hands. Never forget who gives you the power to do it. Never, never forget where it came from. The reason they had fish is because of Jesus. Amen. And the same in the other story as well. It was the guys who were fishing and bringing in the nets, but they acted on the word. Because it's God who gives us the power to get wealth. Why? It's all about kingdom. Praise God. But I love that there because they come in and all these fish, praise God, bring off the fish. But look at the satin here. Jesus had fish. Why? Because he is provision. Amen. Don't we think we're given and our God's going to go under? God's not going to go under. When we give, let me tell you, we're not his source. He's our source. 
Amen? He's our source. Praise God. Jesus already had fish. They didn't have fish. So they come and, you know, they're bringing... Jesus is so good. He still said to Peter, bring off the fish. Bring them up here as well. You look at the setting. There's fish on the barbecue. Jesus is great at doing barbecues. Jesus isn't afraid of smoke going into the atmosphere. Praise the Lord. Amen. He's not a vegan. He's eating fish. Praise God. He has fish on the barbecue. And there he has a great barbecue going. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then, and then they come with these 153 fish around the place. Bring them all up here. Bring them up. There's fish everywhere. The smell of fish is everywhere. And yet what did Jesus say? Dine with me. Sit and dine with me. And what did he do? What did he do with Peter? Surrounded. Think of the satin, just like it in the, in the other one. Provision all around. You think of this here. Jesus said, come and dine with me. Not, let's talk about the stuff. No, come and dine with me. It's all about Jesus. Amen. You don't take your eyes off of him. And what was on the barbecue? Fish and what? Bread. What does that remind you of? What it reminds me of? The five loaves and the two fish. That's what it reminds me of. Again, provision. Peter was there at that event. Peter partook in that event as in, again, God is flowing through our hands. He, the disciples distributed. This multiplied in their hands. Think about that. You think of that setting. There's Jesus. There's fish and bread, which reminds us of the five loaves and the two fish. There's the fish that they caught. I'm sure Peter is thinking because they remembered because this is what Jesus done at the beginning. They're remembering these things. He provided them. Here he is again doing the same thing again after the resurrection. And what did Jesus do? He talked to him about his ministry. What was the, what was the, he talked to him about his ministry? He said, feed my sheep. sheep. Amen. Feed my sheep and feed my lambs. Praise God. What is that? That's the other side of the Great Commission. So you have catching fish and you have feeding lambs. Amen. What was the satin? Provision. Why? Because you see, when you favor God's righteous cause, He takes pleasure in prospering you. Amen. There is provision. Jesus is showing provision. Jesus is showing, I am your provider. Praise God. I am your provider. I am Jehovah. Amen. I am your provider. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. You are not my provider. Amen. I have fish when you don't. But I can get you fish. Amen. That's what he's showing. I'll look after you. Look, Peter walked with Jesus for those three years and then he denied him. But Jesus wasn't finished with Peter. Jesus had another level for him to go to. And he set the stage again, just like he said, come follow me. Now he's saying, will you follow me again to the next level? Will you go to the next level? I looked after you the last three years. I'll look after you again at the next level. Praise God. Amen. Let me tell you, God will look after us. He'll look after us in life as well. He's our provider. But I, I love that. Just think of it. 
The fish is there. Just think of it just whenever God adds to us or provides for us. You know, you can see the things, you can see the shiny things, you can see whatever. But Jesus is there. And do you know the reason all that all stuff is there? Because of him. He's our provider. Praise God. What's provision for? Well, it's for us. God will look after us. God will take care of our family. But I'm telling you, God loves people and he loves the move of God. And he wants to see the kingdom advanced in the earth. And I'm telling you, to see, when you make your life a channel for God, God takes pleasure in prospering you. Amen. He takes pleasure in prospering your life. Amen. Praise God. Oh, that's good. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. It's worth, there's a lot of great things in there to meditate on. Amen.